Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our Connections Director, Jen Lewis, for this week's message. man camp and then I'm sure we're missing some people for for man camp and for um, homecoming that happened last night but those of you who are here we're here we're gonna keep going we've got a good message in store hopefully you'll think so last week Chris started off the series off the map talking about how oftentimes in life we want so much to have God's specific direction in things. You know, some of our big decisions, we look to God and we want him to tell us exactly which way to turn, where to go, what to wear, you know, all the specifics. And oftentimes God doesn't give us those specifics, but his his way is more like giving us, if you use like a sport illustration, kind of a game plan instead of a detailed map. And, and he, he described that, that oftentimes we'll have like rails to run on where we look to the wisdom of God's word and then we make a good educated decision within those boundaries. That, that there will be times when God will say specifically, go here and do this and sometimes even wear this. That's very rare, but it could happen. Uh, but most often, he just gives us the general d- direction, and then we get the freedom to choose quite a few things in life. And so if you didn't listen to that, um, that sermon, go, go ahead back and, and listen to it. It's worth your time. But today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what happens as believers when we are called to follow Christ in such a way that it will require us to do things that are unexpected or counterintuitive or countercultural, and how that impacts us in the process. This past weekend, my husband and I, we got to go out on a date Friday night. Grandma Jean took the kids, and so we decided we were going to go to a new restaurant we'd heard about up in Pennsylvania. And we were getting ready to get on the highway, and we remembered that there's that place, I don't know if they're doing mining under the highway or something where it gets backed up right at the state line from West Virginia, Pennsylvania. And so we got on the map app on my phone to see if the line was red or if it was free flowing and the line was red. And so we decided to stay on 40, you know, and pick up in Claysville or West Alec or whatever. And as we're driving past the on-ramp for the highway, my Siri voice, which is, I chose an Australian male voice, he is telling us to get on the highway. And, he, and we're ignoring him, and he's continuing to tell us, get on the highway, and then we pass the highway, and then he's telling us to make a U-turn, and he continues to talk, and we're laughing in the car. We're like, no, we're not listening to you. We know there's a better way. And I think in, in our lives and in our world, it's a, it's a pretty good illustration of the fact that there's all these voices coming at us, telling us which way to go, but that there is a better way. And there is a way that God has called each one of us to, that we are to follow. And so we're going to talk about that today because God calls people, and he's been doing this since the beginning of history. He's been calling his people to live differently, to follow his voice and not the voice of the world around us. So we're going to look at some people in the Bible who were called to live differently. We're going to start with Noah in the Old Testament. Now, most of you are familiar with Noah. You, you can think of the big boat and the floodwaters rising and the animals coming two by two. But we're going to look specifically at how um, God called him to be different and how that applies to our life, because honestly, there's th- we really have three options here. We have the choice to follow the world's map, 
or culture's map around us. We have a choice to follow our own map, whatever we decide, or we have a choice that we could follow God's path. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to start in the book of Genesis in chapter 6. We're going to look at the details surrounding Noah's story. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when we look at the details of the story, don't you find it interesting that it's like a favorite Sunday school story for children? I mean, it's depressing, and it's horribly tragic. That God is saying he regrets his creation. That the people, that every human heart in every inclination and thought was only evil all the time. I mean, that's horribly dark. You know, Adam and Eve sinned and it went downhill really fast after that. Everybody just kind of went exactly to the opposite direction that God wanted them to go. I don't think we realize just how dark it was. You know, we look around at the world today and we think, oh yeah, it's bad, and it is getting bad. And, and you know, there are things about our world that are unfortunate and are evil and are bad, no doubt. But, but Noah's time, think about it, there was no, no Bible, no Ten Commandments, there was no influence of Jesus' teaching because Jesus hadn't come and taught love your neighbor as yourself. He, you know, even today, if there are people who don't follow Jesus per se, they still like some of the things he said, and they still think that some of the things he said was smart and should be followed. And also, there's, there's something about living in the day we live in, in the time that we live in, where there is a common grace because of the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in people all over the world. And that Holy Spirit moving in among believers has a good impact on the world. And so even though we look around and we see darkness and we see evil, it was not like it was for Noah. And Noah was different. Noah was different. Now, some of you might be, be caught up right now in the whole Noah story to begin with. Like, you're just like, oh, Noah. I mean, really? What are the odds? Did it really happen? And you're kind of going down that line of like, I don't believe it scientifically, so I'm not even going to listen to this story. And I don't want you to go there, okay? There is a greater lesson in this story that I want you to hear that God is trying to teach us. I will tell you, though, that there are quite a few very smart people, not just quite a few, many smart people who have researched the details of the story, have looked into the climate, how many species would have been at the time, how much water there really is on the earth, and if it is possible that this story could be true. And there's quite a few people who believe it's not out of the realm of possibility. And it's not just the people in Kentucky who built the, the ark. The, you know, there are other smart people who think this is a possibility. And you can research that if you want. It's actually very interesting. But I don't want you to get sidetracked on that now. You can go look that up later. What I want you to see is the greater point of the story here, is that the example that Noah lives for us and gives us is very important for us to see. So we're going to read on. In, ch in chapter 6, in verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. 
God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark. And then he goes into all the details, you know, what kind of wood to use, what the measurements would be, how many animals to bring, and all that kind of stuff. But the section ends with a very powerful line. It says in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything. Think about what God was asking Noah to do. In a time where no one lived anywhere near to what righteousness looks like. And Noah starts building this ark, this big, huge structure, which if you don't know, is as long, a little bit longer than a football field. It was three stories high, could fit over 100,000, oh, I can't even remember all the details. I mean, it's huge. It wasn't like he could, you know, keep it in his basement and work on it through the years. This was obvious to the people who lived around him. He didn't, and it wasn't close to like, it's not like he could like move it to a body of water. It had to have seemed so bizarre to the people around him. And, and from what we can tell, now this is experts who figured all this out, it took Noah 50 to 75 years to build that ark. Now granted, Noah lived a lot longer than we live, but that's a lifetime to us. Can you imagine a construction project that lasted 75 years? I know some of you have remodeled your house and have been impatient in the process, and this is nothing compared to that. Day in and day out for decades, Noah was odd. He was different. He had to persevere through people's opinions and, and, and being the, the source of jokes all around him. Day after day after day, he went out and he worked on this ark for 50 to 75 years. He did everything that God told him to do. It was lonely. It had to be lonely. He lived in a world where no one wanted to hear what God had to say. No one wanted to know God's opinion. No one desired to follow God. And here's Noah, day in, day out. And similarly, we live in a time where the culture wants to have nothing to do with God. Maybe it's not quite as dark as Noah's time, but it's pretty dark. And because we have access to the internet, even if we wouldn't necessarily know how dark the world is, the news loves to point out all the darkness that's around us. And so it feels so often so, so dark. And it feels lonely. And our culture, similar, doesn't want to follow what the Bible says, has no desire to know what God wants of them or to follow God in any way, shape, or form. But our culture's map is not what we follow. If you are a follower of Christ and you have chosen to follow him, you are signing up to be different. For those of you who are here today and you're not even real sure about Jesus, you're just coming and check it out. You know, you might be sitting there thinking, wow, this isn't a really good advertisement for Jesus. Well, it's important for you to know that this is what you're signing up for. If you choose to follow Jesus, you are choosing to live in tension with the world around you. They're not going to agree with everything you choose to follow that Jesus says. And it's difficult. It can be hard. But you know Jesus is so good that it's worth it. 
But we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to follow God no matter what? Are we willing to follow him no matter what the people around us say, no matter how different we have to look? And, you know, you can go on in Genesis, really honestly, you can open up at any point in the Bible, open up and just read for a little bit, and you'll see God calling somebody else out to be different. I mean, God just has done this since the very beginning, and he does it again soon after Noah. We read about Abram, and Abram, who becomes Abraham, was this 75-year-old idol worshiper who didn't have any kids. And God saw something in him, and he calls him out of that. He calls him out of his family, and he says, you're going to come to a land, I tell you, and you're going to follow me, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And that whole nation, not only are you going to be different, Abraham, but the whole nation is going to be different. And Abraham agrees, and he chooses to follow. And what we find out through his story is that God is making Abraham different to ultimately make the nation of Israel, who are his descendants, different, so that all the world would see that there is a God who is worth following, that they are to look to this great nation that's going to live differently so that they can see what God is like by looking at those people. That was God's design. And then we see that Abraham, he chooses to follow God. He has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. And those 12 sons father the 12 tribes of Israel that becomes the great nation that is supposed to live differently than everybody else around them. And then we have Moses. Moses comes along and he he pulls them out of slavery because they were enslaved because they were different. And then God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, and he gives him all these specific rules on how exactly it is that they're going to have to live differently. And so Moses teaches them all these things, and he leads them through the desert and takes them into the promised land. Well, he takes them right to the edge of the promised land, and then he hands off leadership to Joshua. And Joshua is a really cool dude. I mean, if you don't know, if you have not read anything about Joshua, Joshua's a neat, neat guy. And so Joshua comes up and he's this person who's called to be different, to lead the people who are different. And if you read the book of Joshua over and over again, Joshua is warning the people of Israel, stay different, keep living differently. You're going to want to compromise. You're going to want to look like all the people around you. And all the people around the Israelites at this point were idol worshipers and they were sacrificing humans and they were taking part in temple prostitution and it was just a mess. And Joshua is saying, be different. Stay different. You're going to be tempted to be like them. You're going to be tempted to do what they do. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Over and over again, he says it. And he says over and over again, be strong and courageous because this is going to be hard, but you've got to be different. And it, it, right before Joshua's dying, he's getting ready. He's telling these guys with like a couple more speeches where he's just, you know, reminding them these are the important things. And he says this in in chapter 21, he says, but be very careful, or chapter 22, be very careful to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands and to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, recently I was reading through the book of Joshua just on my own, and I noticed that phrase, hold fast. And I circled it because I thought, I don't remember that. I mean, when I think of Joshua, I think about be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. He says that so many times in scripture in that book of Joshua that I remembered that, but I didn't remember this hold fast. And then I turned to the next chapter and he says it again. So then I decide, okay, I'm going to look up what that looks like in other translations. And another translation described it, or used the phrase cling to God instead of hold fast to God. 
And when I read the words cling to God, the first kind of picture that I had in my mind was a toddler holding on to a mother's leg. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, any of you who are moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where the kid, you don't even realize the kid's strength, but they come around and they wrap around the mother's leg like, I am not going anywhere away from my mother. Like, I don't want anything to do with anything else. I only want my mama. You don't realize how strong until you're trying to peel them off to go away from them for just, just for a little while, and they don't want you to. And that picture that I got is, is, is so good for how we're supposed to be that we don't want to be involved in the stuff that's around us. We just want our Heavenly Father. We just want to stay connected to Him. And when we do that, when we hold fast to Him like that, we won't compromise. We won't find ourselves compromising. And so Joshua's saying, hold fast, hold fast, cling to Him. Well, if you continue to read on in the Bible, you will see that they didn't listen to Joshua and that they chose to compromise over and over again. You see them compromise, and then they come back, and then they compromise, and then they come back. And so God calls out of the people who are supposed to be different. He calls out people who are different within those people. He calls out judges and, and prophets, and that happens over and over again until we get to Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus is the perfect example of how it is to live differently. He is the only one who was able to live it out perfectly. And then he calls his disciples out of the, the lives that they were living to come and to follow him and to live differently. And then they call out the early church to live differently. And ever since then, for over 2,000 years, God has been calling his body of believers, the church, to live differently, to look different than the world around us. And so here we are in 2019, and it's our turn in history. It's our turn to live differently. And so the question is, are we going to be like Noah and be like Joshua and be like Moses and try our best to be like Jesus and the disciples? And are we going to do our part to live differently? Because God is calling us to live radically different from the world so that others will know what he looks like. Jesus came and lived a life that was completely different as a perfect example so that we could see what God was like. And as we follow him, the goal is, is that people would see how we live and see that there is a God worth following and a God that is real, that changes lives. And you know, throughout all that history, every one of those people lived in a time and a place where the culture bumped up against that that, that tension, that there was a culture that didn't love the difference that they saw in the followers of God. And we live in a same time where our culture is not going to agree with everything we believe. In fact, there will be times where we're accused of hate when we are trying to do the exact opposite of anything hateful. We live in a culture that ridicules the things we value and values the things that scripture tells us to have nothing to do with. And we have to accept a couple things about this. The first one is this, following God's plan will be difficult. Following God's plan will be difficult. It's hard to be different in the workplace. It's hard to be different in our extended families. Because when we follow God, what we say should be different. How we speak to people should be different. What we entertain ourselves with 
will be different. The information we choose to ingest will be different. How we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we treat our friends and our enemies will all look different. And this can be hard because what ends up happening, and I mean, it it just is the reality of it. We're going to look like those people. And not that we're odd for odd's sake, but we are going to be odd. There are times when we are going to be misunderstood, where we're going to be disrespected, mocked, and even we could get to the point where we'll be persecuted. I mean, it's happening around the world. That's why Joshua's warnings to to the, the, the people of Israel was be strong and courageous. Because it's hard. It's difficult. And the enemy loves to use these times. He loves to use those times where we we get afraid and anxious about being different. And he tries to use that to our advantage. But if we are to hold fast to God and cling to him, he will help us to stay different. Now, we don't just hold fast to God like the toddler to avoid everybody around us because we're not called to avoid everybody around us. And the reason why is because when we follow God in the midst of people around us, they will benefit as well. Following God's plan will encourage others to follow. Following God's plan will encourage others to follow. You can't change the world if you are like the world. Let me say that again. You cannot change the world if you are like the world. You can't make a difference if you're not willing to be different. And you will be different if you choose sexual purity over the norms, the sexual norms of today. You will be different when you choose honesty over deception, when you choose to be a peacemaker instead of someone who stirs up strife, when you choose to be generous instead of always looking for the next best gadget for yourself, when you choose to be selfless instead of self-promoting, or when you choose always to put your identity in Christ first before anything else, before work, before a social issue, before anything. It is Christ first. And when you do that, you will be different. And people will see it. You know, I have a friend who will remain nameless, but you know her. Many of you know her. And she drives a very clean white car. I drive a very old, dirty minivan. A minivan that has so many crumbs in it that even if I attempted to vacuum it out perfectly, there are crumbs I will never reach. Now, I go day in, day out in my minivan. It's a a reliable car. It's fantastic. It fits all my family. It's great. But when I get into my friend's white car, I think, oh, I wish I had a white or a clean car. I wish I had a clean car. Now, she didn't clean her car for me. She cleaned her car because that's what she likes to do. But when I got in her car and I experienced the cleanness, I wanted it. And it's similar when we are in the culture and when we live the way God wants us to live, people may not even realize the mess they're in. But when they see what's happening in your life, oftentimes they'll want it. It's different. You know what's interesting about Noah's kids? By the time the floodwaters came, Noah's kids were adults. They didn't have to go with Noah. 
but they chose to go with him. Why? Because day in, day out, they had seen Noah live out his faith. Day in and day out, they saw him withstand all the social pressures around him. And they saw his strong faith and they wanted it. They wanted it too. And that power, that it's not even our power, but whatever that influence is that comes from walking with Christ is attractive to others and will draw others You know, as Christ followers, we have an opportunity to share a hope and a peace that some people don't even realize is available to them. You know, when we spend time with God, when we grow in our faith, when we choose to live it out, even when it makes us look different and odd, not only do people see the difference, but they feel it as well. I remember one time when I was, this was about 15, 16 years ago, I was still teaching at the time. I had taught in the public schools for five years before I came on staff at the church. And um, when I was making the decision to move over to the church, I had told the schools, I had told my family, I told my friends, but I had to finish out the year. And so one day I came into school, but I happened before I did to check my email and, it, and I had gotten a nasty email from a family member who basically went into how crazy I was that I was doing this and that my faith was ridiculous and how would I leave the stability of, of working in the school systems and blah, blah, blah. And so I went and I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a teacher at the school and she didn't share my faith, but she was a good friend and I was just talking to her about the frustrations that I was experiencing and, and how hard it was and kind of working through the emotions of the email and what it had caused me. And she stopped me halfway through my whatever, you know, just mental discussion. And she said, you are the most emotionally healthy person I've ever met. Now, I am not. <laughs> I know my inner workings. I mean, she just it was a very nice thing to say. And honestly, I think what she was looking at is it wasn't me, but she was looking at What happens when we put our faith into action? When we are even walking through a hard thing and we are being misunderstood and people who love us are hurting us and we still are choosing to follow God's way. That's what she was seeing in me. And she couldn't necessarily describe it, but that's what it was. It wasn't me, it was my faith. And when people see our faith working out in our lives, they may not realize it, but they will want it. I heard someone recently say, you as a Christ follower have the opportunity every day, everywhere you go, to carry the peaceful presence of God with you. That if you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit residing with you. And everywhere you go, you bring with you the peaceful presence of God. That in a world of chaos, in a world of hurry, in a world of division and hate, that you, everywhere you go, can be the peaceful presence of God. In the workplace where there's all kinds of angriness and drama going on, or in your extended family where there's old hurt feelings and unforgiveness, you can be the peaceful presence of God. When you're at your your kid's ball game or you're interacting with different parents among the school, you know, in your kid's school or in your neighborhood, you can be the peaceful presence of God. When you have to go to another doctor's appointment, you can be the peaceful presence of God in that situation. You guys who are in school, every, every classroom you go into, every group of friends that you're around, you can be the peaceful presence of God. We learned in the, in the series that we did on the Holy Spirit that wherever God is submitted to, wherever you allow God to have rule and reign in your life, his kingdom is there. 
And so everywhere you go, when you are submitted to God and you are walking under his direction, you bring his kingdom with you. And people might not even be able to tangibly say what that is, but they feel it and they can see it. And because of that, following God's plan will bring salvation to others. God's whole idea of us being different is so that we can point people to him. And we do this not to point to some great philosophy or even to point to the Vineyard Church. We do it to point people to a God who saves, to a God who breaks chains of captivity, to a God who heals hearts and heals wounds and heals bodies, who forgives just major mess-ups in life, and who offers grace and mercy and love and acceptance Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew 5. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Some of you may be sitting here thinking, I don't really live that different. I've got a run-of-the-mill life. I'm following, you know, the map everybody else is following. I get up, I go to work, I run errands, I take my kids where they need to go, I go to whatever appointment I need to go to. It's, It's day in, day out, it's the same thing. I don't really live that differently. But there are times, moments where when you choose to follow God in an instant, you will be that salt and that light. You will bring the flavor of Christ with you. You will preserve something in a situation where it looks like it's rotting and decaying. You will bring light to something that will point people to God, a light that will, will, will be the safe haven in a darkness to somebody. And this means that you will not fit in. There are going to be times where you don't even realize you're being different. Like the other day, I was at Aldi. Anybody else a fan of Aldi? Love Aldi. If you, yes, yes. I I wish I could get like some money for that because I love Aldi. You should all go. But anyway, I save massive amounts. Eggs are like 79 cents. I mean, it's fantastic. But anyway, okay. So at Aldi, I was walking out and I realized that I had like a $2 pack of salami that was like down in the cart and I hadn't paid for it. And so I headed back in and I was going to pay for it. And I went up to the two cash registers. Nobody else was checking out at the time. So the cash register people were talking to each other. Cashiers? Yeah, cashiers were talking to each other. And so I said, you know, excuse me, but I just realized I didn't pay for my salami. And the girl looked at me like I had two heads. And I thought, oh, no, I've ticked them off. They were talking to each other. I interrupted. So I said, I'm so sorry I interrupted. And she said, oh, no, it's not that. Nobody does that. And I thought, oh. You know, and I go in every week. And, and, you know, I got my messy bun, my vineyard T-shirt on. I'm walking in. I'm smiling at them. But now they know I'm the girl who brings back the salami. I'm different. It's in those little things. There's, you know, I mean, think about it. You guys have situations, we all have situations almost every day where we can be different. I mean, think about at work. There's always somebody talking about somebody else. Or if you're in, you know, with a bunch of moms and you're, and you're in a situation where somebody's judging somebody else's parenting and there's some gossiping going on, you have in that moment the opportunity to be different. 
you can choose, I mean, and not be like judgmental, like, well, I'm not going to talk about this, you know, and like be like that, but like you can, you can put a perspective on it that might put that person in a better light that they hadn't realized. Or you could, you know, <laughs> describe a situation where you'd done something differently and make it a funny joke about you. Or you could change the subject quickly. You don't have to join in on that stuff. And people will notice that. You may think that your life is run-of-the-mill, but God has designed and arranged moments for you to be different. You've got to take them up on those times. God is calling you, and this we've got to remember, he's calling you to be different, not for different sake, but to save the world that he's trying to reach. And when you choose not to be different, you're not in on the game in that moment. Now, God knows this is not easy. He knows this is going to be difficult. Jesus said this, and, and this is going to really encourage you for the day. He, he said this in Matthew 10, 16 to his disciples, but this is for us too. He said, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You know what wolves do to sheep? God's saying, I mean, Jesus is saying, look, I am. I know full well that the people around you are not going to love this. And I'm not going to promise that you won't get hurt. In fact, I'm saying expect it. Expect it. And then he said this to his disciples. This was uh, like right before he got arrested, right before he was crucified. It says this in Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So Peter, you know, basically he wanted what a lot of us want, the happy life, the blessing of God, comfort, wealth, you know, sunshine and roses. Basically what we would call the American dream in our culture. God's not calling his followers to the American dream. He is calling us to take up our cross and follow him. He is calling us to be sheep among wolves, to lose our lives, to live differently no matter what the cost is. Because temporary success for one or for a few can't compare to the eternal salvation of many. Now, I'm not opposed to the American dream. I am a product of the American dream. And I was a social studies teacher before this. So I know the history. I know that the, the, the prosperity and the hard work and the, and the drive that we have in the United States has lifted up millions of people out of poverty and out of hardship and has brought medical advances and technology advances that have uplifted people all over the world. So there are good things about the American dream. But as great as it is, it is shallow compared to eternity. But we can get so distracted by the attractive aspects of the American dream, success and popularity and wealth and 
all those things. We can get distracted by those things and we can compromise in pursuit of those things to the point where we miss the better plan of God. We've got to be ready for the fact that following God and following his plan will often be uncomfortable and unpopular and can even be painful. And that there are people who will not like it. There are people who will not like us. And unless, and I mean, and it's going that direction, guys. Unless God changes the pendulum swing here quick, we're going to continue to go in a situation where it's going to be more and more where we're going to feel more and more different. People are working hard to make sure that we don't follow the things that God wants us to follow. People are working hard to change laws to make it illegal to follow certain things that we follow, to believe things that we believe. And we're going to have to be okay with living in that tension. John 15, Jesus says this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember that I told you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They hated Jesus. They hated him to the point that they killed him. The perfect example of love, the perfect example of service, the perfect example of different in a good way. They hated him and they killed him because the way that he lived showed that the way they were living was wrong and they didn't want anything to do with it. And if they hated him, they're going to hate us because we're not perfect and we are going to mess up. Now, here's something else you need to remember because all that is like really heavy. Jesus also said, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love So we aren't jerks for Jesus. Like, we're not out looking to be hated. We're not out looking for a fight. We don't live differently just to spite the culture around us. We're not angry, judgy, angry, churchy, judgmental people. And if we are, shame on us, because that is not what Jesus is calling us to. We don't live differently to pick a fight with culture. We live differently to bring Jesus to the culture. And we follow Jesus' example as best we can. They were nailing him to the cross, and he was loving them and praying for them and forgiving them. And Jesus, who deserved all glory and all praise while he was here on earth, instead, he chose to wash people's nasty feet and to talk to the lowliest of low, to love on them, to pray for them and heal them. And we are to follow in his footsteps. We are to humbly serve the people around us. You know, I talk about how we're, we're to do good works and to shine our lights and to be the salt. We don't do that by like serving a homeless person and then taking a picture and putting it on Facebook. Like we do it humbly. We do it so Jesus sees it. And if one person sees it, then that's God's business. We don't do it to show off. We do it because we are being obedient to God. Because like in Joshua's day, we are surrounded by things that we can worship other than God. And for us, it's just idols of a different name. You know, it's popularity, it's comfort, it's pleasure, it's success, it's wealth. It's all these other things that we can put before God. 
And too often what happens is the pursuit of those things get more attention than God. But Jesus didn't die on a cross to bless your life. He died on a cross to save you from yourself. He's not just going to bless your map that you've created. He's going to give you a whole new path, a whole new way. Now, it is okay for you to ask for his blessing. It is okay for you to ask for success, to ask for all the good things in life. But if the pursuit of those things gets in the way of God's will and his plan and him first, he's always got to win out. He always has to win out. And he will teach us to live differently. He will teach us to live out our marriages differently, to raise our kids differently, to work and relate to others differently. And we will have to live in the tension that that produces in our lives. And we're going to have to be okay with that. Now, what's good for us to remember is the fact that that long list of people that I talked about at the beginning, you know, Noah, Moses, Joshua, Abraham, all of them, they failed several times, some of them, in trying to walk God's path. They weren't perfect in it. Jesus was the only one who was perfect in it. They found themselves compromising in some way. Noah, I mean, we find him after the flood. His, his sons find him naked and drunk out in a field somewhere. I mean, I don't know if he got off the boat and was like, I need a drink. I, I don't know <laughs> what happened. But so he compromises. Well, then you have Abraham who lies about his wife to keep himself safe two different times, puts her in danger in order to do that. Moses kills somebody. I mean, there's all these, I could go down the list. People mess up. Now, I'm not saying that to give you permission to mess up and to compromise. But what I'm saying is that God knows that there's potential there for you for that. So go back to the idea in your head about that map app on your phone. You know, you make one wrong turn and it will tell you what to do next in order to get back on the right path. God will do that too. And you just take the next right step. You do the next right thing. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I am, I'm compromising. I'm not living that differently. And I would say for you, okay, that's where we are. Acknowledge it. Tell God. Tell him you're sorry. And now go from here and do the next right thing. And eventually you will get back on track. There are definitely some of us in this room who are thinking, I don't feel the tension. I don't really feel the tension of living in this culture. And I would say there's a potential for two things as to why that's happening. Either you have surrounded yourself with like-minded people, and so you don't feel the tension because you don't interact with the world. And I would say that I would challenge you to get out of that because what you've done is you've basically put a bowl over your light. You are called to live in the world, not of the world, but in the world. And then there are some of you who don't feel the tension because you're compromising. Because you're choosing to listen to those attractive Australian male voices that call to you on the map instead of listening to the voice of God. And the key is, if you find yourself off track, you take the next right step. This day and age is of no surprise to God, okay? Take a deep breath. This is not shocking to him. He's not looking down saying, oh my goodness, I have lost control of the American society. What shall I do? 
He's not doing that. He doesn't watch the news and wring his hands. Now, he might be upset by what he sees, but this is nothing new to him. Remember, in Noah's day, it was every thought of every person all the time was evil. God can handle it, but he has assigned you to today. He has assigned you to 2019. And are you going to choose to live differently for him? He knew you would live in a time and a place where people would be compromising all over the place and people would not give a rip about the moral code of God. This is not surprising to him. He built you to live now. He built you to live and work in the place where you live and you work. And he is calling you to rise above and to be different. And the question you have got to answer today is, am I going to do it? You know, Joshua, in all of his speeches, he gave a very similar challenge to what I'm saying today. And he gathered the Israelites together and he said this. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Now, you can walk out of here today and think you're not making a choice. You can just let this all just go over your head, but ultimately you are choosing something. You are choosing with every action you take who you are going to serve. Is it the world? Is it you? Or is it God? And my challenge to you is that you would hold fast and cling to God and live differently for a higher purpose for the sake of those around you and for your own sake, that you would be a light in the darkness. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.